Let's open the word of the Lord to Deuteronomy chapter 17. Deuteronomy chapter 17. I'm going to talk to you a couple of minutes about walking in our authority because we need to walk in our authority, especially um, thinking the month of March where uh, traditionally the church around the world celebrates Easter. And when we say Easter, we're not talking about bunnies. We're not talking about funny hats and marches. No, we're, we're talking about remembering what Christ did in his life, death, burial, and resurrection. And so I just wanted to start uh, transitioning our minds. I know all this past month we've been talking about the importance it is to share our faith with others, um, the, the relational power that we have uh, to be able to uh, preach the gospel. We are walking epistles, as it were. An epistle is not the female version of apostle. An epistle is a letter that uh, was written from Paul, from Peter, and, and other apostles in the New Testament. And uh, one time Paul said this, he says, I'm a walking letter, or I'm a walking epistle. So in other words, our whole life speaks. What is it speaking though? You, you are speaking. Your life is talking. Your life is giving a, a, a movie, as it were, and people are watching it. What is it saying? What is it sharing? So I, I want to start highlighting uh, the source from whence this life emanates so that we can um, understand who we are, who we're called to be, and at the same time uh, know the authority that's on us. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, starting from verse 14, it says, When you come to the land which the Lord your God has given you, and possess it and dwell in it, and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over, whom, over you whom the Lord your God chooses. So the thing of the matter is, it's not just enough to be a leader. You have to understand what God has called you to do in life. You have to understand your uniqueness. So God is the one that chooses. God is the one that empowers. So all of us are called. All of us. All of us are anointed. Oh Yeah, it's Papa. All of us are appointed. It's my little grandson. He, reckon, he doesn't see me, but he recognizes my voice. So all of, all of us have a call of God to lead. So it says, Surely set a king by whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you. So it has to be somebody from the kingdom of God. So we have to be born again. We have to know Almighty God. We have to be part of the family. So when you're part of the family, God sets you in His kingdom. He shall not multiply horses for Himself. In other words, He shall not be greedy. Nor cause people to return to Egypt. In other words, forget the past visions. It's time to move ahead. So has, you know, we have to be people of vision. We have to be people that see ahead and plan and prepare for the future. Not, our, not, not people that are stuck in the past. Stuck in a past life. Stuck in a past mindset. Nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, in other words, don't use people, don't abuse people financially, emotionally, in any way, shape, or form. Don't abuse the people. And that's very important because in the kingdom of God, unfortunately, there are many people that are abusing and, and, and raping the people of God in different ways. And that's a very sad thing. That should never be, but it is the case. But God will deal with those individuals. 
The world looks at one and says, ah, oh, see, that's why I don't go to church. They're all hypocrites. Uh, with all due respect, there are a lot of God-loving, God-fearing people serving God. And they're doing it with all of their hearts. So it's a lie of the enemy. And, and what he tries to do is get your focus off the real thing that God is doing and what God is saying and to focus on the one hypocrite or the 10 hypocrites or the 20 hypocrites. Listen, those hypocrites will have to deal with Almighty God. God is not mocked. He is not deceived. Never will be, never was. Praise God. So I'm not worried about the hypocrites. On the contrary, if the hypocrites are in church, guess what? The Spirit of God's in the church and they could change. I'd rather they be in church than outside of the church. Because as long as they're hearing the word, they can be changed and transformed. Hallelujah. So I'm not worried about a hypocrite. Praise God. Amen. I'm not going to be like them, but I'm not worried about them. I come, you know, let me mentor you and get you out of your hypocriticalness. <laughs> Praise God. All right. So this says, neither shall he multiply wives for himself. In other words, uh, you know, one that leads in the kingdom or, or those that come to the kingdom of God uh, have to be very careful with sexual sin. We can't let ourselves get overtaken by what Hollywood is teaching us. Bottom line is, you know, sometimes my wife and I were watching a movie or something and then suddenly, boom. I mean, they're talking about the most mundane thing and suddenly, boom, a woman or a man badly dressed or not dressed just suddenly show up. Has nothing to do with the point. They just want to show some flesh because flesh sells. I got no amen. So people say, Pastor, it's the truth. What do you want me to say? I'm not going to lie. I don't live in a bubble. I'm walking the street, sometimes a sign passes right by. And, and you know, it's talking about cigarettes or talking about a car. And what do you see? A scantily clad woman. What does a scantily clad woman have to do with a car? A car just takes you from point A to point B. Because sex sells in our generation. And they know that. And they know it affects the flesh of especially men. So we as men, as we're leading our families, as we're leading in our communities, we have to know and understand this and reject it because it's an ever close enemy to us for one moment of pleasure could give you a lifetime of pain i'm not getting any immense today i should have taken this church this preaching to the church in florida somewhere they might have said amen a little more well you know what it is you guys don't have the struggles you already arrived you float on a cloud. See, I'm still stuck to the ground, so I still have to deal with these issues. Well, the Bible says we, we cannot get caught up with these things, lest our heart is turned away, for shall he greatly multiply, no, or says, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. In other words, God is not saying that he doesn't want us to prosper. What he is saying is he doesn't want that thing to control us. The spirit of mammon is a very bad, horrible ruler. When you allow the love of money or resource to overtake you, you lost it. You are lost. That thing will consume you and you will kill anybody to get it. You'll destroy anybody to get it. You won't care about what other people suffer in terms of you and your ascension. But those that go up quick, come down quick. You've seen all the Madoffs come down and there are a lot more on the way. And guess what? It's not only in the world, but in the church too. In the coming days, we're going to see more and more men and women exposed who have allowed this thing to grab their heart 
And the judgment of God will begin with the church first. So he's cleansing his church right now. So this pressure of the Holy Ghost that's coming to bear upon us in the coming days. So we could live righteously and bring glory to God and truly be walking epistles that will point to him instead of to us. Hallelujah. Verse 18. So shall it be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom and he shall write up for himself a copy of the law in the book. In other words, you got to have a Bible with you. And the, from the one before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with him that he shall read it all the days of his life. That he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of the law and the statutes. See, it's not enough to have a Bible at home in your bedroom that's open to Psalm 91 or Psalm 23. Many families do that. They open up the Bible and they think that just because they have the Bible there... And it's open, that alone will protect the house and will ward off all the spirits. No, it's not enough. you got to get what's in the book inside of you. In order to do that, you have to read it, study it, and meditate. And it says every day. So it says that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, pride. That he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left. And that he may prolong his days in the kingdom. This stuff will make you grow old. He'll live long and prosperous. That he may prolong his days in the kingdom of man. He and his children in the midst of Israel. Praise God. In other words, your children will also be blessed. So let's go a moment to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to read a couple of verses. Verse 1 through 3. I'm going to read it from two versions. One is from the message version. And then from the New Living, uh, the New Living Translation. So 1 Peter Verse 2, 1, 3, it says, clean house. This is just like that. So clean house. Did it say there? Yes. There, there it goes. So clean house. I like that. Make a clean sweep of malice and pretense, envy, and hurtful talk. You've had a taste of God. Amen. Now, like infants at the breast, drink deep of God's pure kindness. Then you'll grow up mature and whole in God. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for a high calling, of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do His work and speak out for Him, to tell others, that's verse 9 and 10, verse 9 and 10, to tell others of the night and day difference He made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. So we went from 1 Peter 1 through 3, then we read verse 9 and 10. Now let me read 11 and 12. Friends, this world is not your home. So don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives. Interesting. <laughs> among the natives, among the people of the world. So that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Praise God. Your life can make a big difference. So let's read it now from the New Living Translation. 1 Peter chapter 1. So get rid of all evil behavior. Notice, behavior. So with the help of God, it is possible to get rid of the evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Notice, it talks about speech also. So just because all my friends are throwing out footners every fourth word, mm -hmm. you know, curse words, that doesn't mean I have to do it anymore. Amen. 
Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you'll grow into full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. And now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. But you're not like that. Verse 9. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests. The word royal has to do with king. Royalty. So we're not just priests. We're kingly priests. So remember the other verses I was sharing, which was to kings? When you set the king, this is the behavior of a king? Well, we are royal, kingly priests. So that refers to us too. That's why I read the first thing. So that we know how we are called to live. A king cannot just do whatever he pleases. A prince cannot do just whatever he pleases. There's agenda set for him or her. They have to walk royally. They cannot walk around like this. They can't do that. You see the way they walk with their shoulders up. You know, and then there's music behind them. I don't know how it happens. Everywhere they walk, there's just music. It's almost like they put like a bows right, right on their system or you know, right in their suit or something. You know? and dun, 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 you know? It's amazing. Wherever they go, uh, people are expecting and waiting for them. Because they're special. They're emissaries of their kingdom. You are emissaries of the kingdom of God. Then it says, you're not like that, you're a royal priest. Okay, you're a holy nation. God's very own possession. You don't possess yourself. God possesses you. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you're God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Verse 11, dear friends, I warn you as, quote unquote, temporary residents and foreigners. This is not your world. Don't get cozy in it. Don't think that just because Madonna has it, that's what you want. I don't want what Madonna has. I'm not from her world. I'm from the kingdom of God. I'm a kingly priest. Hallelujah. To keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you for wrongdoing, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when He judges the world. Praise the Lord. Bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this beautiful day. Dear Holy Spirit, I pray now that you would even share uh, from your word, Lord God, your thoughts to us. I pray that you think through my mind, speak through my lips. Lord, you get the glory. And I thank you for your kindness, your love, and tender mercies. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. You may take your seats. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, that the human heart is most deceitful of all things, desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? We don't know our hearts. Therefore, I can't trust my heart to tell me what to do. I have to trust God's word. Now, the more I'm in God's word, the more my heart starts changing. See, and then my heart starts having conflict with the things it desires. I tell my kids often that we have to understand the difference between what we want and what is. You know, just because I want to smoke doesn't mean that it's good for me, right? Just because I, I want that thing doesn't mean I can afford it. So the more mature I become, the more I realize, even though I want to do that, I'm not going to do it because it's not good for me. Period! It's the ends of discussion. So hence, 
the argument is, or the thesis this afternoon, is I am not my body. I am not my emotions. I, I didn't get even one amen. I got about three malocchios. I got three people already going. He blew it. It was good until this moment. No, no, it's true. Because see, most Christians don't understand that just because you feel something doesn't mean that that's you. The flesh is connected to this earth realm. It was made from dust. So therefore, it's always going to want things from this world. It's un unregenerate. When we're born again, our spirit man is born again. But now we have to begin the process of renewing our minds. In Romans chapter 12... Verse 1 and 2, it talks about us renewing our mind. How do you remo renew the mind? Well, God told Joshua, Joshua, meditate on my word day and night, and then you will make your way successful. So what happens is, as I get born again, I start seeking God. Uh, but at that moment, I don't know much of the word of God. But God says, you have to get in my word every day, because in my word are my precepts. And my word and me are one. You can't separate God from his word. And too many Christians don't study his word, don't get into his word, so therefore they become what you call emotional Christians. Mm -hmm. Today I'm in victory because I'm feeling good. I'm not feeling good today, so God must not be with me. Maybe you don't like me today. Maybe he's upset at me. No, he loves you. You are, you are a child of God. He, he loves you. you know, and with my children, I love them. They do some battle, smack them upside the head, and we keep on walking. I still love them. I'm not going to kick them to the curb. No, I love them. I'll do anything for them. I, get, I throw myself under the bus for them. It's, it's irrelevant. I don't care what. They're my children. If they do really bad, I'll, I'll smack them on the head again. I, I, I looked at FB yesterday. I saw a very funny, uh, very funny video. Uh, it was talking about, uh, I don't know what it is with this Harlem Shake or something like that lately. It's been coming up. What is it called? Harlem what? Harlem Shake, yeah, so everybody's shaking to the Harlem Shake. And so these three Hispanic girls, they're, they're shaking to the Harlem Shake, and suddenly the mother comes out, she turns off the radio, she starts hitting the girl with the chancleta. Shut the music off already! <laughs> it was so funny. You know, I'm a Hispanic, so I understand that. You know, that was very funny to me. The chancla is the most powerful thing that, that, that man has ever created. <laughs> the chancla, you can throw it there, and it actually follow the kid until it hits him over the head. Just an amazing thing. But see, we, we love our children, so we make sure we correct them so that they can do well. Some of you, some of you got hit by a chunk because you're laughing right now. See, so th the thing is, is God loves us, so he gives us his word because he's, he's Father, he's Abba. And he wants us to live in victory. And when we do wrong, his Holy Spirit will bring correction in our spirit man. But make no mistake about it, the flesh is very powerful. The flesh is spoiled. It wants its way. It wants its way all the time. So in your maturity in Christ, as you're growing with the Lord, you're going to have a lot, of, um, a lot of battles, a lot of challenges with your emotions, with your flesh. My, my flesh, I akin it to a little child, a little spoiled child. Yeah. My flesh wants this. I want it. I want it now. Give it to me. And it's almost like I hear the day. I want it now. I say, shut up. No, you're not going to get it. I want to sleep more. I don't want to work. I want to get drunk. I want to have fun. I want to dance the night away. <laughs> Think about it. And, and you could actually hear it. It's almost like a conversation in your head. But guess what? We all go through the same conversation. And I'm just trying to be very practical here. 
Because I'm a pastor, but I have the same issues. <coughs> I have the same issues, you know? And for me, as a guy, a beautiful woman will pass by and go, but immediately, the conflict. The man wants to keep on looking at the gal. You, you, you see, pastor, hey, I'm going to be real with you. I'm sorry. But you know what I do? Since my spirit is trained, um, no, 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 it's not your, not your business. You got your wife. Been married 38 years. And any time I, I, I get something, I, I, since my spirit is trained, your flesh, you're not going to have your way. Because one moment of pleasure could destroy my family. Could destroy my... Now, would the flesh want it? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a, there's a part of me that would say, and you know, people, I'm just being real with you. I'm being real with you. You know, Tiger Woods, man, he, he's got it made. That, man, that man's got it made. Tiger Woods made. Uh, excuse me. Have you seen the news lately? This man fell hard. I am sure that he has suffered stuff you and I will never know because of moments of pleasure, just given into this flesh. Hence, we have to learn that just because this flesh wants it don't mean it's good for you. See, so God is saying to my kingly priests, there's several things I want you to start considering because I want to strengthen you to be a good witness. First and foremost, I've called you. So say to your neighbor, he's called you. You're anointed and appointed. There are people you're called to reach. You're a living epistle. People are watching you. And they're not watching you uh, because they want you to fail. They actually want you to succeed. Because if they can actually see somebody really living this, they'll say, my God, it's true. That gives them hope. You and I give them hope. Now, we all know that none of us are perfect. So we'll, we'll fall, we'll get back up. We'll fall, get back up. So with me, sometimes it's just, I, 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 I don't know. Minister Mickey, the older you get, does it seem like you lose patience with people or is it just me? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you deal with people and you tell them once, yeah. twice, three times. You know, I manage a property, I manage people, and, and sometimes, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. so sometimes I just want, instead of explaining it again for the umpteenth time, I just want to call them a choice name and send them to a choice place. <laughs> Did I say enough? Is that all right? <laughs> But then I remember, because my spirit man is trained in the word, and every day I rehearse my relationship with God. How? By worshiping Him. Either I take a walk, and I pray, and I remember, and I thank God. Each and every day I thank God. I said, God, I thank you for tender mercies. Thank you for your tender mercies, which are brand new every single morning. Thank you for goodness and mercy, which follow me every day of my life. Thank you that you're with me. Thank you that your presence is with me. Thank you for divine health and healing, my God. And then I pray for you guys. I pray for my family. I pray for Israel. I pray for the Middle East. I, I pray for economic situation. I ask God to give me wisdom to help me. Because right now, we're living at a teeter-tottering moment. You know what teeter-tottering is, right? Uh, well, what's the name of that? that seesaw. We can go up or down at any given time because the nations are manipulating currency and they're manipulating politics. And we're the ones that are going to suffer. Oh, we're suffering already. 
the president and the Congress and the Senate, they all promised we were not going to have a tax raise, right? Well, guess what? January 1st, you got a tax raise. Oh, no, no, but it was this. I don't care. It was a tax raise. It doesn't make a difference. I'm still, uh, you know, I'm getting like 1,000, 1,500 less in my pocket this year. So to me, that's not an increase. The furlough is probably on its way because they can't agree. So let's make, let's make it very straight. We have to make changes in, in, in our finances. So I pray to God every day. God, give us, give me as an individual, me and my wife as a family, my children, all of you, that God would give you wisdom financially. Because guess what? There are people that prosper in any economy. Amen. You just need to have the wisdom for that particular economy to know how to apply your finances, to know how to invest. Our problem is, is that most of us aren't investors. We're consumers. Within the Jewish community, there's an average of uh, the money travels around six, seven, eight times before it ever leaves the community. They barter, they work together. They know how to prosper in any economy. The, the Indian uh, nation also does that. I have several Indian friends, very rich businessmen. They know how to make money. We criticize them. Man. Let me tell you, there's no criticizing them. They are very savvy financially. The Asian uh, family, they're coming in here, they're studying hard, and they're getting the better jobs. And Meanwhile, we're walking around. How's everything? Oh, same old, same old, nothing to do. We have no vision. No, 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 no desire of bettering ourselves. This is changing, though. God is revealing to his people the steps we need to take in the coming days. And I believe that God is going to give us the wisdom and we're going to accept it, we're going to take it, and we're going to run with it. Amen. Praise God. Because it takes money to buy Bibles. It takes money to, to build churches and communities. It takes money to do revivals. You remember uh, in 1996, some of you, uh, when, when the, the men, a million men, gathered in Washington, D.C. Yes. and worshipped God? The mil- it wasn't a million man march. It was a promise keepers gathering. There was also a million man march, but it didn't have a million people. Mm-hmm. So let's make that straight. The promise keepers event had 1,300,000 men. Wow. Yeah. And these men, they bowed before God, worshipped them, repented. Guess what? That almost shut promise keepers door down. Because it cost $10 million. And that's a not-for-profit private organization. So Coach McCartney, who's a millionaire himself, he put a lot of money in there himself, and he said, this is the final thing that I think I'm going to do. And shortly after that, he did retire and pass it on to some other guys. But it cost $10 million to gather men to pray in Washington, D.C. $10 million. But shortly after that, after that prayer and after that repentance, God started exposing some politicians. Some of them had to retire. Some had to leave office. God started exposing some, some pastors. You see, God exposes when we repent. And so we can clean house, like the Bible says, and live righteous for Him. Praise God. So the first thing you need to understand is that you're called by God. And, and your testimony is vital in the coming days. And God trusts you to give you, to give you His best message. God trusts you. Say to your neighbor, God trusts you. The second thing, he says, he must not not make the people return to Egypt. In other words, we're people of vision. God gives us his vision. What do you see for the future? A lot of people don't see anything. They see nothing good. Well, you know, you've got to shift from that to now seeing what God sees. You read the back of the book? We win. This is not, oh, you know, the, the last battle of this place, you know, everybody dies. No, no, we win at the end. 
This is a, 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 a war that's already won. Jesus Christ already won the battle. Hallelujah. So the second thing, we need to embrace his vision in this day. You need to start getting excited for what God is doing. Actually, if you see what God is doing, you will get excited. I'm excited because I believe that God has given us now the entrance of our best days. Our best days are yet ahead. I, I, I declare that for myself. I declare that for my family. I declare that for Calvary Christian Fellowship. Our best days are ahead. Say to your neighbor, your best days are ahead. Glory to God. As we embrace Almighty God, as we pray, as, as we seek Him, Praise God. I believe that anointing is going to flow through you and people are going, to got, are going to start getting saved, healed, delivered, set free. America needs a revival and the revival be, it begins in you. Amen. Hallelujah. The fourth thing is he says, don't take many wives. In other words, this integrity thing. We have to meet men and women of integrity. I appreciate what a gentleman by the name of Steve Morell said. As you, we discussed this, he said, leaders must not use positions to pad pockets, to seduce women. It sounds like a no-brainer, but sadly, many leaders seem to have no brain. So thank you, Mr. Steve Morell, for that point. So several things we need to do. Number one, we need to guard our heart. The Bible says the issues of life comes from the heart. So we need to guard our heart. You are not your flesh. So you need to make that distinction. When you start hearing the voices of your flesh, because there are many voices in the world, you need to learn how to discern it and shut it down right away. Ah, things are not going well. Uh, where's this thought coming from? <laughs> every thought, uh, I believe it was Dr. Bernard that said this, he said, every thought has an agenda. So when I hear a thought, I need to understand what's its agenda. So when you think this afternoon, when something comes to your thought, try to identify where the agenda is coming from. Is it coming from pride? Is it coming from ego? Is it coming from offense? Is it coming from the Spirit of God? Is it coming from the devil? We need to learn how to uh, carefully discern the agenda of each thought. If it's not going to bring me closer to God, if it's not bringing me toward the vision that God has given me, I'm not going to entertain it. Period. That's it. End of discussion. It's that simple and it's that quick. Praise God. What happens is many of us don't understand the different voices mm -hmm. that we hear. So we just let the voices roll and we just flow with them automatically. Don't do that anymore. Yeah. Part of your victory is learning how to discern. And, uh, and guess what? When people come to you with ideas, that's their agenda. Sometimes people will come to you and it's not God's agenda. So you also need to learn how to discern the things that your friends will say, co-workers, Hollywood, whatever it may be. Every idea has an agenda. Glory to God. So become thinkers. Don't just automatically believe what people tell you. Say to your neighbor, I'm not going to believe automatically what people tell me. I'm going to discern whether it's a godly agenda or it's another agenda. Amen. Praise God. Remember when, when God uh, finds Adam and, and Adam tells him, you know, I, I hid from you. I, I was afraid. Remember that? Yeah. What did God respond to? Who told you this? Where did you get this agenda from? This, is, this was not in you. 
It came from somewhere else. And sometimes you'll say something, you don't realize that was somebody else's agenda. Sometimes you'll be angry at somebody, meanwhile that person never did anything to you. But your friend told you something about that person and now you receive that agenda and you receive the spirit, the pain, the offense, and now you're angry at that person. You don't even know why you're angry. That person never did anything to you. Joshua, meditate on my agenda. Because God's word is his agenda. And that's the agenda I want to embrace. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, let's go there a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Look what it says, very interesting. Verse 3 and 4, verse 3 and 4. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, in other words, I walk in this body, but this body is not me. This body is my carrier. It's my car. It's my automobile. It's my plane, my train, whatever it may be. It carries me. It's my vehicle. So as long as I'm alive in this body, I can touch this earth realm. The minute this body dies, and goes back to the earth, my spirit man is set free from it. But I continue, this body doesn't. So this body, I mean, who in the world is going to allow their car to control them? But yet we do that. We allow our carrier to be our master. So though, therefore, we walk in the carrier. No, it says we walk in the flesh. We do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So in other words, just because I have a thought don't mean I'm going to flow with it. Just because I have a desire don't mean I'm going to flow with it. See, now as a child of God, understanding the Word of God, knowing I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit, I can start rejecting some of these patterns, some of these thoughts, some of these desires that my flesh has. My weakness is not your weakness. You need to deal with your weakness. And it's interesting, the devil knows your weakness. So he'll always hit you at the point of your weakness. Whether it's anger, whether it's attitude, whether it's, you know, you're a workaholic, whatever it might be that can become sin to you. You see? If, if I was an alcoholic before, I can't have wine. But yet you might have wine for your dinner. European Christians drink wine like we drink coffee. But if, I, if I'm a, a former alcoholic, I sit down with a European Christian. He sits down and has a cup of wine. I'm looking at that thing. I'm going, that looks good. Listen, I'm being real here. See, so we have to learn. It's, it's good for him, but it's not good for me. So therefore, just because he's doing it, he has the license to do it, and it's not bad. I can't do this, because the one, I'm going to take the other one, and I'm back. Back again in my mess. You see my point? So you have to understand the unique intricacy of what causes you to stumble. And according to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, you do battle with it. Because there's strongholds. Stronghold, look, look at the word, stronghold. Something that's strong and holds you. It, it has a connotation of a fortress. That's impregnable. There are things that, that become strongholds in our life that are very difficult to break. Yes. But I have good news. It can't be broken. Yes. People have stopped smoking. Yes. People have stopped taking drugs and become, you know, live long lives. My mom, she, was, um, she, she smoked since she was 11. 
And in her, I want to say, early 60s, she was having a lot of problems with her lungs. Duh. So, you know, so she goes to the doctor. Doctor, I'm having problems in my lung. I says, um, and she says, uh, doctor says, um, you smoking? Yeah, yeah, I smoke. Says, okay, let me put it this way. You have one year to live. If you don't stop smoking, you die by next year. She goes, oh, oh, oh. Now, before, she would always tell us, I can't, I can't stop. I, I got to continue. I, I, I can't. I don't have to. Guess what? That day, she stopped smoking. <laughs> that day, she stopped smoking because suddenly, there was a higher value than that thing. Before that, she put high value on that thing. Now, she's putting higher value on her life. She stopped cold turkey. She didn't need, what do you call that patch thing? Nicotine? Nicorette, right. She didn't need Nicorette. She didn't need a patch. She didn't need anything. All she needed is to be scared out of her wits. And that's it. She was healed. So, you know, it doesn't take a long time for us to change. We just have to put the value. See, what's my value? Is my value the thing? Or my value, almighty God, and my relationship with him. See, because I love my wife. Who's my wife? She's downstairs with her. I love my wife dearly. I, you know, she's, she's my best friend. We've been partners for a long time. We, we met around age 15. We started dating, no, 14. We started dating and we got married at 19. And we're 54 now, both of us. But let me tell you, I respect her and I love her very much. And she's my value. It's God and my wife. And of course, my, my children, my family, you guys. But, uh, you know, in order of importance, God and my wife, right? But check this out. There were many times when I could have an opportunity to disrespect her, whether she knows it or not, right? But I chose privately to honor her because the value I had for her was higher than the moment. You see my point? There have been times I've had to run like Joseph. Yeah, yeah, sometimes you can't cast the devil out there. There's no casting out the devil. Sometimes you got to run like Joseph. And I've done it, and it's not a question because my value for her is bigger than the value of the moment. You see my point? Or sometimes I say I'm upset, I want to do this no more, I want to run away, I just want to... But my value of her and my family have been greater than the value of that momentary feeling that the flesh wanted. So you have to discern what's your higher value. When you get to the place and you get the revelation that God valued us so much that he incarnated in Christ Jesus, God in flesh, lived the perfect life for us, not for him, for us, and then eventually died on the cross. He became the sacrifice for us. So he put us at the highest value. So when Almighty God requests something of us and tells us, my son, my daughter, I want you to live a life that's going to be worthy of my kingdom, then I have to, va- excuse me, <clears throat> I have to value from day to day how I'm going to live based on do I want to satisfy my flesh? Do I want to satisfy my ego? Do I want to satisfy my anger? Or do I want to honor him? So it's not a matter of, will it make me feel better? No, no. Sometimes to honor God, I have to feel bad at the moment. There are times my flesh is offended by what God wants me to do at the moment. Because I don't want to do that. I want to do this. But God, I don't feel like doing that right now. (laughs) I, I want to do this. But because I value him... I would rather say no to this, to that, the other, than to dishonor the Lord Lord that I love so much. 
That's, that's, that's what you call practical righteousness. Amen. There's an aspect of righteousness that God does, which He declares you holy right there when you come to Jesus. He cleanses every sin. That you cannot do. He does. But the, what we can do, the practical part, is we can walk it out on a daily basis, turning down our flesh, because it can be a master, and make it our servant. Like Paul said, I beat my flesh so that I can honor God. <clears throat> You read it in Romans chapter 7. The challenge he had on a daily basis. But he had a revelation. With his mind, he said, with my mind, I serve God. Yes, with your mind. And your mind is not this. Your mind is this, this. It's the whole person that you are. Because the flesh, he says, you know, the things I know I need to do, I don't want to do. Sometimes I want to do this, I end up doing this. No, no, no. So, so, with, so with my mind, I supersede the desires of the flesh. So by revelation, based on God's word, and your relationship with God, and the honor you give God, there are things you'll stop doing. Because you want to you practically give God back what He gave to you, which is your absolute best. Hallelujah. And then notice it said, and I'm, I'm winding it down, write the scroll and read it every day. We have to become word-based Christians. So say to your neighbor, neighbor... We need to get away from being emotional Christians and become word-based Christians. Amen. Because that's what's going to honor God. That's what's going to honor God. And lastly, the gentleman Steve Morell said this. He said, humility. You should not consider yourself better than your brothers. In other words, I'm no better than you. Yeah, but you're a pastor. Yes, so it's my responsibility. That's a title. It's a responsibility. It's not that I'm better or you're better. We all have a call. We all have a, 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 a unique thing to give to the body of Christ. And I believe in the coming days, God's going to be raising up, and He is already. But I'm saying among us, among many communities in the Bronx and in New York, men and women that are knowledgeable, but in a Daniel kind of way, in a Joseph kind of way, that are able to go into different spheres of business, whether it be educational, whether it be governmental, whether it be Hollywood, whether it be uh, the news, journalism, God is raising some of you to be a Joseph in that camp, to be a Daniel in that camp, help people, therapy, whatever it may be. Some people, God calls them just to be fundraisers. Yeah, I know a guy, he loves God, so with the Holy Ghost, just loves God, humble man. If you slap him, he'll go, <laughs> and he's just so humble. <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's just such a, you know, like we go on in Spanish, we're not leche. He's just he's a sweet man. But yet that man raises millions of dollars. He loves raising money. He'll sit down with different business people. He loves to write proposals. And the man helps a lot of ministries. That's his call. And he's good at it. So now I'm going to try to make him do what I do? No. He'll go over there and put you to sleep. Don't get me wrong, I put you to sleep sometimes to myself. But he'll do a better job at it. <laughs> that's, not his, that's not his call. So don't ever think that your call is not as good as that call, is not as good as that call. No, no, no. Each and every one of you are vital. What type of value do you put on Billy Graham's mother? No, you don't. But guess who, who knows her? God. What type of of honor would you give a person like, like uh, T.D. Jake's mother? Mm -hmm. 
or father? Who's the one that mentored him? Why doesn't nobody know him or her? Doesn't make a difference. That person did their job well. So if you're called to mentor two children, do a good job because then they can touch the world. You understand my point? Then whoever T.D. Jakes reaches, whoever Billy Graham reaches and reaches, because he's still alive, right? It goes to her or his account. So when you stand before God, he'll say, good and faithful servant. So don't ever minimize who you're called to be. It's not about how many people you preach to. I preach to two million people. Well, I preached to ten and they all got saved. Amen. Amen. And I did my job well. Praise God. What's your job? What, what are you called to do? Do it well. Do it to the best. And God will, will receive glory because of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We, we need to stop. You know, I'm not better than you. You're not better. We need to stop that. We need to honor each other. And in church, many times we worship the preachers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We worship the ministers. I got the best church because the, the pastor is so-and-so. So what? What about those beautiful pastors that, that pastor 30 people, 100 people, 200 people that nobody knows. They're not on TV. They're great men and women of God too. Right. Are they known by God? That's the most important thing. Are they doing the will of God? You'd be surprised. Some of these people uh, with these mega ministries, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to judge. not going to say names. By the fruit you shall know them. You check out the fruits. Some of them don't have good fruit. Praise God. But Starting off this march, I want you to shift your thinking. You are a royal priest. The Bible says kingly priest in, in the King James. Kingly priest. So as you walk, just see yourself as representing the kingdom of God. See yourself as an emissary of the kingdom of God. See yourself as God being pleased with you and sending you out to the place where you're at. Where do you work? Well, God sent you there. I want you to see your, God, your, your job as part of your missions where God sends you. I, want you. I want you to see yourself as the minister that God has sent to your family. Amen. I say that because even myself, when I came to the Lord at age 15, guess what? None of our family were saved. We had a lot of non-practicing Catholics. But I came to church. My wife went to my wife's house. We were friends. And her mother preached the gospel to me. So I went to church with her and her sisters, and I remember it was a revival that day. One of these fiery preachers from Puerto Rico came in, and he preached, and he talked about hell, he talked about, you know, all the, all the stuff. And I, when he said, anybody want to come to Jesus, I ran to the altar. I ran to the altar. I got saved. And it, since it was a three-day revival, we came back the next day. And he preached even harder the next day. So I ran again, I got saved again. So Sunday came and he preached even harder than that. So I ran again. And then the pastor said, no, you, you're already saved. You don't have to keep on coming up. I said, okay, I just want, hey, just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. <laughs> I have to come 10 times. I just want to get this thing right. <laughs> Praise God. But it was her mother. So her mother gets the credit. Her mother and the pastor of that church. And of course her, because she, you know, she sort of like connected me. She was the connector. She was the Barnabas. But the, her mother got the best deal out of it. Because she didn't know that she was preaching to her future son-in-law. Isn't that cool? You don't know who you're preaching to. You might preach to somebody that later on you realize they're very financially wealthy and they'll help you, you know, pay your debt or something like that. You don't know what is going to happen. Or they might become the next Billy Graham or something like that, or the next T.D. Jakes or something, or the next Gigi Avila. And all that will go to your account. So people, don't ever belittle who you are, who God called you to be. 
you are special. Say to your neighbor, you're special, you're unique, you're called of God, and your ministry is important and needed now. See, you weren't born by mistake. You're not an afterthought. You are created by Almighty God. And you're alive today on purpose because God put you here because you're fit here. If you would have been born in the 1800s, you would have been out of place. Amen. Praise God. So get to work. Amen. Say to your neighbor, get to work. The year 2013 is the year, praise God, of definition and getting to work. Because that sin abounds, great grace is just about ready to be poured upon this nation. Oh, wow.